Bullets Bibles, or it's there in your, in your folder. So James, we've, we've made it all the way to James. Um, and James is practical. He's about obedience. And I'm going to tell you, tell you that as we go through James, he's going to um, beat, on us, beat on us, so to speak, about our behavior. And if you have truly been changed by the grace of our Heavenly Father, by, by Christ's uh, atoning work on the cross, then you will be obedient. Be obedient. Will we be obedient? Well, that's not quite perfectly. Okay? It's very much far from it. Uh, but yet we will strive to do the things that the Lord, the Lord lays out in his word. Ephesians say those things which he has prepared beforehand, beforehand that we would do. Okay, so there are works that the Lord has for you that, that he prepared before the foundations of the earth that, that you are going to do tomorrow. So do them. Isn't that easy? Isn't that easy? Okay, that's easy. Um, so if you're able, would you stand with me? I'm going to read from James chapter 2. And I, uh, in our, in our, before we, as I go to prayer, I left out Dan's dad. Dan's dad cautionary tale here don't take your two two-year-old ice skating because your grandchild because because you're likely to fall so he fell and and of course has only got that far to fall but you know 60 year olds we've got this far to fall and so banged his head so he is in the hospital he's okay uh so far far but he's in the hospital so we remember to pray for andy as we go to the lord so let's pray lord uh grateful for andy's witness and and testimony and uh Pray your hand of healing and strength upon him. Uh, keep him calm and uh, give the doctors wisdom as they attend to, to his injury, Lord, uh, that it have no lasting effects. Lord, we pray now that your Holy Spirit would come upon us and open our eyes to your holy word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So James chapter 2, I'm going to read 1 through 13. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man, a man wearing a gold ring fine clothing comes, comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing, shabby clothing also comes, if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, feet have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with, with evil? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised those who love him? But you honored the poor man, are not the, are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the, fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the law but fails at one point has become guilty of it all. For if you do not commit adultery, also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, have you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is God's inspired word, inspired word for us today. Please be seated. So there in the first chapter, 
James talks about some, the reality that, that there are some people who profess to be Christians, yet they don't live like they are Christians. Now, it's not, now it's not our to measure somebody's salvation. Uh, there's no secret here, no secret um, uh, about telling someone's salvation. You profess faith in, in Jesus Christ. Uh, it is up to Christ, to Christ to judge your sin. Now, we look at one another, and we encourage works. We encourage you to greater faithfulness. That's the job of the body of Christ. Uh, Christianity ought to permeate, permeate every area of our lives. Uh, yet, there are some whose profession of piety doesn't match their uh, public morality. Let's put it that way. So, James on this and he, he hits it at the end of the last chapter in our care for the care for the least of these these in the first century would have been widows and orphans that's kind of a measuring stick to our devotion of Christ if you claim to be a Christian but yet you don't demonstrate it in practical and tangible ways then we have we have reached your Christian faith um, if, if all you do is talk about it but you don't live it you don't demonstrate it you're not doers of words of the word of God that's a problem. So in, in chapter 2, James moves, on, James moves on to another that apparently was a significant problem in, in the congregation that he's writing to because he spends 13 verses on it, basically. basically. Um, and, and just to put it into our context, this, this is tism, and favoritism is part of the human nature, part of our sinful nature. It is, I am much more like, likely because of sinful nature, to treat somebody with honor and respect who I, respect who I think I can grow. That's the way that, that I am in my sinfulness. So, but James says, brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord, Je Lord Jesus, the Lord of glory. Now, those are important things. We'll come back to those in just a moment. In just a moment. So the existence of our Christian faith basically is incompatible with its favoritism. It's incompatible with pre prejudice uses several terms in this section to highlight this. So verse 1, he says partiality or personal favoritism. Personal favoritism. Verse 3, it's paying special attention to some while ignoring others. Verse 4, it's making distinctions. Verse 9, it is showing partiality. partiality. 13, showing no mercy toward persons. So, so if the believer practices these, it demonstrates a of the Christian faith, fundamental denial of the faith. So we better understand what he means by show no partiality, show no favoritism. Well, naturally, let's look at what he doesn't mean first. Okay, it's not not wrong to make the appropriate distinctions between people. Okay, if you're down in the lobby and um, you see someone someone walking across the street, uh, they're eight or, or older, you would do, you would do what? You would go and open the door for them, okay? Um, if you see a teenage boy walking across the street, are you just as likely to go open the door for them? No, okay? That's not favoritism. That's not partiality. Um, that is simply attending to the needs of those who have needs. Um, you know, if, when I was a teenage boy, open the door for me. I, might freeze. You know, what's going on here? What's going on here? Why did you do that? Um, James also does not mean that we should not show deference to people. Now, if the governor of the great state of Alabama should come, should come in ship on one Sunday, 
um, it would be appropriate to show her deference, deference. God has placed her in authority over us as one within the society. Okay, James is not encouraging believers to wipe out all social distinctions and deny, and deny the proper for people in authority over us. That's not James' point. This is what James does mean. He means by personal favoritism, self-serving discrimination that is based upon temporal, temporal earnings. A self-serving discrimination based upon Temporal excursion. Now we see what he means here when he talks about gold and fine clothes. Clothes are temporary things. Those are externals. We know nothing about the individual's heart. We know nothing about them except that they're wearing some gold and some fine clothes. Okay. You have made distinctions among yourselves, and those are and those are those are self-serving, based only on what's outside of the person. So, so let's think of this in modern terms. There, there I am, I'm down there in the door for somebody, and up pulls the Porsche of my dream. Okay? And out gets this guy, and you can tell he's got all his hair and all his teeth, and he's got a $2,000 suit on and a silk tie that's more than, more than my, you know, it's, it's oh, he opens the door, and out gets his wife, and she's got this big diamond wedding ring on, and she, she's dressed and looks great. And Randy, in his, in his sinfulness, those people can, people can contribute to the budget, okay? Because I'm going to go see them. I'm going to make sure they feel at home. I'm going to give them a good spot, okay? My sinful, sinfulness. Um, let's think of the other way, okay? Somebody shows who smell as good, who needs a, a little wash, who uh, maybe from the wrong side of the tracks, uh, something like that, like that, and... and I don't really want, really want them sitting to me. Maybe, you know, you want to leave Methodist? Leave Methodist? Okay, you got Okay, that's our sinfulness speaking. And, and James is honest about that. He says, you cannot show favoritism. You don't know their hearts. You don't know what I'm going to do, do in lives. My goodness, that today could be the day of salvation for either one of, one of them. James warns us that, that, that you have to welcome those people in. Now, in the first century, century, it was common in the synagogue that the richest, most powerful, powerful person got a seat in worship. Okay? That would be like the guy and his wife in the Porsche, and they're sitting up here. All right? So everybody can see them, them, and people who had nothing, so to speak, to bring, no, no money, they were poor, they were poor, they sat on the floor. Hmm. Okay? Where do we serve sick? Now, James could have used a variety of things to contrast this distinction. Uh, he uses rich man and, and poor, poor man. He could use other things which we tend to show favoritism for, a race, color, color, language, background. But he chose economics for this great divide because money is near and dear to the heart and dear to the heart and has been for millennia. Okay? A millennia. Now, I was at Presbytery uh, a, few, uh, a, few a few months ago. Uh, there was this woman there. And the first thing I noticed about her, she didn't have any shoes on. Okay? So, you know, people run around. Two-year-olds can run around without, without shoes. But she was certainly, she wasn't as old as me. Uh, but uh, but uh, so I asked her, I said, hey, where are your shoes? And she said, you know, this is the only church I've ever been to that they let me go around, run around barefoot. 
I said, well, that's great. She said, and it's Presbyterian. I can't believe it. Well, she, well she, she and her husband had been hard rockers, okay, bass player, drummer, um, and they had both come to Christ, and their lives were changed in a, in a big way. And now she, she attended that church, she volunteered, now, now she was at that church, um, she had um, been instrumental in getting the Wednesday night prayer service going, and, and um, we would have judged her by ex- external, she not have looked very Presbyterian. Her heart was right, and that's what counted. So James begins this message, this passage. Remember, I told you we were going to go back to the verse, first, first verse. Brothers, so he's writing to believers. Show no, show no part as you hold faith, and this is important. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. So instead, instead of looking at comparable, incomprehensible glory of our Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. And the hearts of this congregation, apparently, were focused on externals. They were focused on what people were wearing, how they, how they looked, how they smelled, all those types of things. So instead of honoring Christ, they're referring to humans and to huma- human things externally. Instead of accepting, accepting each other as brothers in Christ, they showed favoritism. Based upon worldly, worldly, this is not an insignificant sin for this congregation, apparently. Especially because in the first century, most of the church was made up of the poor, above, above the, the lower classes. Now think about this. You, you lawyers will know this right away. This right away. Uh, Lady Justice wears a what? what? A blindfold. Why? Why? She is impartial. Doesn't, doesn't care. It's not just color, class sex, anything. Here it, it extends to Jew or Gentile. You show no partiality. Why? Because God shows no partiality towards us. We brought into this world, we're going to take nothing out. You know the, the story and, and uh, when uh, John Rockefeller died, they asked his accountant, how, how much did he leave? And he said, all of, all of it. All of it. I've got a friend, and he is famous for saying, I came into this world bald and naked, and that's how I'm going out. Okay? And he's already bald, so, uh, you know, you got to die naked. We can't boast before God on our accomplishments. I can't go and say, Lord, Lord, I'm so good, I know that's why you saved me. No. There's no accomplishment here that is worthy of salvation. Only the accomplishments of Christ. So if this, is, if this is God's, that he has saved us in this way, how then shall we live? We, because of our sin, tend to show favoritism to those kinds of near, of near externals. The Porsche draws my eye, okay? Shows my sin, my sinful desires, okay? James in, in 5 through 7 wants us to examine our behavior in light of God's grace. Let's look at, listen, listen my beloved brothers. Has not, God, has not God chosen those who will be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man, You're, and are not the rich ones the ones who oppress you? Oppress you? Okay, and he goes on and on, and, and we'll find the answer to that question in chapter 5, five and which are oppressing the poor in that day and age. These people are visitors, visitors to the church, from what I can gather here. So visitors to the church, 
just think that we who go to the same church on a regular basis, we know where everything is. We know where the bathrooms are. Uh, we know where the nursery, nursery is. The school class we're going to, we know which pew we sit in because they're very territorial uh, when it comes to our, when it comes to our, uh, but visitors, they don't, they don't know those things. They don't know where the restrooms are. They don't know if it's okay to bring coffee into the sanctuary or not. They, they might not even have ever seen a hymnal. They, I know it's shocking. They might not even know the tune to Mighty Fortress. Okay? That's, that's the way it is. But God has drawn us by his mercy, mercy into his family when we were still in our sin. Okay? Christ died for us when we were still in our sin. That must, must be the controlling in how we look at other people. People who are different than, us, different than us, people who are maybe a little bit different, people who are a lot different than us. They, we may look at people and think that they, in our sinfulness that they're instinctively beneath or they're extinct, instinctively above us in class or whatever. I want to spend my time with that person. I don't want to spend my time with this person. That's not what Christ says. He says that's favoritism. That's We're to love in the same way that God, God has loved us. It's a fundamental of grace to show favoritism. That's what he says. When God saves, he didn't look at our worth, or else we would all be in hell. His grace and mercy were determining factors of how he treats us. Deuteronomy chapter 7. seven. Did not set my love on you or choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples. He's talking about the, the, Israelites, the Israelites, the Jews. For you were the, were the few of all peoples. But because I and kept the oath which I swore to your forefathers. In, in other words, reason God loves us. The reason God treats us in the, way, in the way that he does not reside in us. It resides in him and in his grace. His grace. His grace. God did not look at me and say, hey, that Gentile, i got to have him in heaven with me. Because he's something. No. He's left to my work. He would look and say, Jenkins, you are pitiful failure. You have not kept my law in any fashion. You deserve it, and I'm going to send you to hell for all eternity. That's what we, it would be like. like. Corinthians chapter 1. Consider your calling, brethren. There are not many wise, not many wise flesh, not many mighty, not, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, the weak, the weak things of the world to shame which are strong, the base things of the world Despise. God has chosen. He's chosen the things that are not so, so that he nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before the law. Before the law. And so if a man boasts, let him boast only in the Lord. It goes beyond what we deem as important, what we deem as worthy. And so for a Christian to make a judgment about another, about another based on only, what's the old thing? Can't judge a book by its cover? Okay, you cannot look at the externals and think, oh, that person's that, that, that person's that's a contradiction to God's mercy. James goes on to say, on to say, aren't those who oppress you? As I said, we will answer that question in chapter five. And the answer is yes, they are in that context. Uh, um, remember, Rich didn't usually attend church at that time. They didn't see a, see a need. They they think that they needed in a temporal fashion. They were good with what they had. Why do I need God? Why do I need forgiveness? Those same types of things are in many people's lives today. I'm satisfied with my life today. 
Why do I need God? God, think I'm sinning? Of course, I'm, I'm pretty good compared to that one. You know, so as long as I'm better than that one, I'm good. Let's go on. Verse 8. There are two terms in, in the rest of it. One is called the royal law. And, and it's mentioned here, and that's the second half of the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the great and first, great and first commandment. Second is like it, you shall love the neighbor as yourself. That's the royal law as James lays it out for us. Um, if you're in grace, you have to live out the whole law. You've got to strive, strive to do that. Um, if you, you love your neighbor as yourself, then you're not going to show prejudice based upon externals. You're not going to show favoritism based upon externals. Verse 9, that partiality is a violation of the very commands of Jesus, Jesus' law. Not only, only that, but it's a violation of God's commands to the point that if you fail to keep one, one portion of the law, you fail to keep all of it. See, God requires, if you're going to try to get to heaven by the law, you have to keep all of it. And he, he doesn't differentiate. You can't di- di- divide the law. Well, yeah, I... I murder today i lied but i didn't murder so i'm that's still good right no you fail it you fail it you fail at all point points of keeping the law that's why i need god's grace last well, here 12 and 13 so speak and act Ooh. well can i just speak it can i just talk about my, my christian faith can i talk about how wonderful grace is no you you're going to talk about it about it to act it okay this goes back to the first chapter and will continue through the entire book of james james is not interestingly in the content of your your words but in the action actions of our lives if these words really mean something to you if these things are true in your heart you will live them out and you have to act as those who are going to be judged for we must give an account of what of what with what we have been given. Matthew 16. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. Then he, then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Parable of the talents. Guy was given five, I was given five, given three, one. Guy with five made ten. Guy with three made three. Guy with one buried it in the ark. If you have your Bible, turn over to Matthew, Matthew chapter 19. This is, this is most cutting parables that Jesus gives us. This is the parable of the unforgiven servant. Now remember that in the context, what have we been forgiven? Forgiven our sins. And that took the death of the Son of Son of the perfect Son of God to forgive us of our sins. It didn't take the, the you know five steps to have steps to have your sins forgiven. It's something that easy. It took the shedding of the perfect, spotless Lamb of God to cover your sin. And that's how much God cares about us. That's how much He is willing to forgive. Matthew 18, verse 20, 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will uh, uh, sin against me and I forgive him? As many as, many as seven times. And he said, I do not say seven times, but seven, 
77 times. Their king of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. In this world, that's about a billion dollars. I don't know what your mortgage is. Mine is mine is a billion dollars. Um, but that's a personal debt. Billion dollars. Since he could not pay, his master ordered to be sold with his wife and, cho- and children and no he had and payment to be made. It would only be a fraction. A fraction of that 10,000 talents. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have paid with me and I will pay you everything. Now, billion dollars you're going to pay back a billion dollars just have patience and i'll pay it back no you, he will ne- never do that the king but out, out of pity for him the master of the master of that servant released forgave the debt forgave the debt an unpayable debt has been forgiven and then there's that, that wonderful and terrible terrible word in verse 28 when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, about a year's wage. Sometimes a day laborer got a denarii a day, so maybe a hundred day, days, depending upon maybe an entire year. And he seized him, and he began to choke him, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and, me, and I will. A hundred denarii is a payable debt. Very easily payable debt. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what, saw what had taken place, they were distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. They summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy, fellow servant, as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master, his master him to the jailers until he should pay, pay all his debt. That's a, a life with no parole. So also my father will do to every one of you. You do not forgive your brother from your heart. We have been forgiven an unpayable debt. Christ has done that. It, it took his blood to do so. And we look around, and how are we going to treat our brothers? How are we going to treat those, treat those we contact with? Are we going to be forgiving? Are we going to show favoritism? James says you cannot show favoritism. That is a creature of the Father. Treat, treat them in the same that you have treated us. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you have forgiven us more, not just much, but, but more than we can comprehend. A debt we could never pay. Never pay. There you are, the righteous judge in whom there is no sin. And you say, you know what, you know what, I'm going to pay your, I'm going to send my son into the world. He's going to give, going to give his life. He will be the perfect sacrifice that we could never be. And that has happened. He has given and shed his blood. And only in him can we find, find forgiveness for our sins. While we were still in our sin, that Christ gave his life for us. While we, while we were enemies of God, he called us into relationship with him. With him. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you and, and none of us here are perfect. 
none of us are above showing favoritism, above holding prejudices in our heart. We all have those things that we like, that we like, that we don't like, and we just don't want to do or hang out with those people we don't like, but they are your created they need to hear and see the gospel and the love of Christ, love of Christ, as much as, as much as those people that we do like, quote unquote. Help us see past the externals. Help, help us in the hearts that need the message of Christ. Be the broken lives around us that we might be the hands and feet of Christ. That we care for them that we might declare the truth to them, that we might love them in the same way that you have loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name.